0: Now, my joy and delight is to welcome Alison today. And um, Alison, uh, I am hosting today, but she is also my godmother <laughs> in real life. And I call her my fairy godmother. <laughs> uh, but she has loved me and prayed for me since the day I was born. She is my greatest prayer warrior. But Alison is also someone who knows a huge amount about radical hospitality and has lived it out. When I was a student nurse she and her family of many children (laughs) (laughs) would have me for tea once a week as a student nurse and it was like a little lifeline for me. So Honestly, today, what Alison says um, in anything to do with hospitality, she has great authority to speak on because she has lived it out in a beautiful, authentic way. So I'm not going to take up any more time. I'd love to pray and uh, then I'll hand over to Alison and just remind you, any problems with your earphones, just wave. We don't want you missing out on anything and someone will come to you very quickly and get, get them sorted out. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, just for this time, this precious time that we can set aside to just learn a little bit more um, about you and your heart, uh, especially in this whole theme of radical hospitality. We just say we come with open minds and open hearts. I pray you would just settle each of us now and that we'd be free from distraction. We pray for Alison that you would give her peace that she will feel your presence with her as she speaks to us, that you will fill her up as she is giving out to us. May she receive as well as us receiving. We pray for your hand over technology, earphones, laptops, (laughs) uh, powerpoints, for all those things just to run smoothly. So, Father, now we say come, have your way, and move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alison, welcome. Could we welcome Alison?
1: (laughs) I feel like she's one of my own, (laughs) and it's such an honour to um, be sharing in ministry together. We said to each other at the beginning, would we ever have thought that we would one day share in ministry together? Our God is amazing. Now, I do hope you can all hear me. I wonder, indeed, I'm a little curious as to why you've chosen to come to this seminar. Is it because you've been on the journey of looking for a church family to belong to? Or perhaps you've been on that journey and you're about to give up because it's just too difficult Or maybe you've belonged to a church fellowship for years and you continue to feel very lonely in it. And indeed I had the privilege of praying with a young woman this week already whose experience was that. Or could it be that you're on the welcome team in your church and you're just looking for a few tips? For whatever reason you're here, here goes. Despite living in one of the most connected generations in history, our culture truly is battling an epidemic of loneliness. And a recent statistic published in The Times, the survey found that 80% of under 18s said they were lonely and 68% of over 80s said they were lonely. While governments seek solutions and appoint ministers of loneliness, we must recognize the calling of the church to live counterculturally and bring relationship back to the heart of our fellowships. So, let's see how radical hosp- the radical hospitality of Christ should shape our fellowships to ensure that everyone is welcome in the church. And all can find their place in God's family. I want to divide our time together into three sections. The first section will be a little bit of a reality check, and we look at observations of what church is like today. Our second section is based on what is our scriptural mandate to do church in the first place. And the example and calling of Jesus to us. And our third section will be looking at the practical outworkings together of what a countercultural, hospitable church should look like. So, our first section, I want to share with you some observations that I have gleaned over the years. And this is not a moaning section, by the way, it's just the reality that is out there. And I want to place these observations in our cultural Western context, channeled through my own life's experience of mentoring many young people over the years. Many of these singles, who on their journey of finding a church home, have found it to be a very difficult, lonely and painful journey, resulting in so many of them choosing to opt out and I have discovered that it's not only young people but it's many across the generations who've maybe had a difficult experience in a church life and feel that they need to move on or they've been hurt in a church situation and so many of these choosing to opt out. I will also briefly draw on and describe my own recent experience of finding a church home for myself, now living alone as a widow and having recently moved. I have felt like one of these secret shoppers. It has been a fascinating journey and I have been on this journey for a year. First of all, Listen to the reality of a young mother, the cry of a young mother with three children. I know this lovely lady. And this popped up very recently on social media. This is what she says. I need to use my clicker. I often wonder why some of the churches we have visited have felt like the loneliest places in the world. She described the journey like going into a toy shop. Confusing, overwhelming, the rush, the pull, the buzz. There are so many churches. Are they merely Christian cliques gathering to satisfy their own needs? Worship's so slick, it is verging on performance. Is there something more, something deeper? And I will finish our seminar with the end of her quote. It's important that we become aware more and more of our Western cultural context today and what that has done to society as a whole. We need to be aware of how easy it is for us as church to become sucked into the trends without realising it. We must no longer church bury our heads in the sand. Church going in the West has been massively on the decline. In England, in the 1950s, 25% of adults were in a church service on a Sunday. Today, it is 5%. Thankfully in Ireland the statistics are not quite the same but the trend is the same, it's decline. Last year in the seminar on hospitality that Helen Clark and I did together we observed that society today has embraced the culture of individualism and how everything around us is defined in relation to me We highlighted how technology has accelerated highly this trend and I believe there is a huge danger that we approach doing church with a similar mindset. The mindset of individualism and it's all about me. Our likes, our dislikes around teaching, doctrine, music, buildings, personalities So instead of going to join together in a church context, we choose to listen to regular podcasts of the best Bible teaching or listen alone to the best worship music, good as the availability of those are. Resulting in church becoming a commodity. And we are the consumers. We have our lists of likes and dislikes. And it's become about me and my needs. And so we dip in and out and move on. I want to show you a very humorous video. Um, It's based in America.
2: Previously on Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name.
1: The Sunday
3: morning experience was just a little too traditional. Hey guys, how we doing? Hey,
0: good. Doing how are good, you? Doing good,
3: doing good. So I know you didn't love the traditional vibe of the last place, okay? Mm-hmm. okay. But I think this church is really going to do it for you. Yeah. It takes relevance it's... to a whole new level. Behind me, you will see molded clay, jar art, tapestry, canvas, wow. mosaic church. Mm, I beautiful. love it. Right? So see? you've heard of interdenominational. Mm-hmm. Right. And you've heard of non-denominational. Mm-hmm. Well, this church identifies as inter-non-denominational. <sighs>
0: Wow, that's, that's perfect I love for it. us. It really is.
3: But here's the kicker. A lot of celebrities go here. Yeah. What? Jeff Foxworthy. Oh
0: my. We love him. Yep. We really do.
3: Ben Higgins from ABC's The Bachelor. Perfect. Several Real Housewives. Ooh. And him. Usher even came here one time. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, what? well, follow me. Come on. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> so refreshing. Honestly, that last church was just way too traditional. It was yeah. too much. It
2: was like we left there feeling convicted. Like, uh, ugh right?
3: Right. We're just, we're looking for more of a Tony Robbins type stuff. Like
2: inspiration, like a Ted talk with a Bible verse. Yes. Oh yes. Right.
0: It's perfect here. We love it. It really is. We
2: love it. Awesome.
3: Cool. Well, you guys know a lot of contemporary pastors speak out of the message translation Bible Mm -hmm. or this pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Shut up. We love Tumblr though. This is great. A lot of emojis, a lot of abbreviations. Oh, I couldn't ask for And how many seats in
2: here? Oh, it is 6,000 altogether. Babe, wow. 6,000. Mm-hmm. I gotta be in this worship band. That's Imagine true. me up on that jumbotron mid-guitar solo. Do you
3: know how many Instagram likes you oh, get? Oh.
2: oh, my
0: gosh.
3: We find it hard to find a church right now because I grew up Catholic. I grew up and Baptist, so... So, like, we, we drink.
2: Yeah, but in private. I mean, obviously, you get it. Basically, in terms of, like, worship, I think we're looking for, like, a Jesus culture type feel. Oh, I right? love them.
0: Hillsong, obviously. Oh, Lead Me to the
2: Cross? Hillsong is great. Like a Bethel minus the spontaneous yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just for me, I connect and worship more when the leader is attractive. Personally, I'm a Carrie Job guy. Oh,
3: okay. Well, she's married.
2: Um, So is Christian Stanfield.
3: One of my personal favorite things about this church is the service times. Okay. There's an eight thirty, a ten, a one o'clock, a five thirty, and even a seven o'clock service. Oh, there's something around like two ish. Yeah, for us, for what we need, two, two fifteen is best. Yes. Uh how many songs do they do during worship? Usually five, five and a half, depending on where the spirit leads. Uh, wow, babe. Is that,
2: is that a, lot? a lot? Well, if that's too that much for you, like they
3: that. have a program here called the Worship Assist Program. Okay. So if you ever get tired during worship, an intern will come out and just hold your arms up. You just keep worshiping the King of Glory. Just like that. Wow. I love it. Almost. You can still look super spiritual. And my arms get so tired from yoga. Same. I actually like this church. I think we can make it
1: work.
2: It was all right. I mean, it was it was good. But, pers- like, I emailed the pastor, and he didn't immediately respond. So uh, we're taking these vessels elsewhere. <laughs>
1: You see, for them, church was a consumer product. Why bother getting ourselves out when neither the teaching or the music will be as good as what you can get online? I love Sam Albury's excellent little book on why bother with church. And he throws out the question can't I just have Jesus? Does Christianity have to come with Christians? Here are some of my own observations on my journey. It takes a lot of emotional energy to step out each Sunday on your own and to enter a new church setting. Very often, the local community centre is much more hospitable. The local sports event or the gym or the Mums and Tots, or dare I say even the pub in England. A lot of people go there. The handshake that you get when you enter a church building can come across as an empty gesture. Not always. A welcoming team should know who comes and goes regularly through their doors, resulting in them spotting a visitor or a newcomer. And often the greeters, as you go through the door, when they're shaking your hands, can be engaged in talking to a friend on the side. And what about the in and out churchgoers in our culture? Very little interaction takes place. And if there is, it's with those they know, and certainly not with the visitor or the newcomer. And there's little evidence of fellowship. It's a Sunday morning tradition for them. What about the churches where everybody is huddled in the back? What is that about? Or where everybody has their own seat. So one side of the church never gets to know the other side of the church. And the visitor may detect that they're sitting in somebody else's seat a bit like Baby Bear. We don't do this when we go to the cinema or we go to a concert. We don't do this when we go into the doctor's waiting room or the dentist's waiting room. And we don't even do this when we get onto a bus and a train. So why do we insist on sitting in the same seat every Sunday? And then there's the trendy churches, Where everyone is is so busy talking to their friends, the visitor is never noticed. I remember going to one of these with a daughter of mine who was looking for a church and she wanted me to go with her. I said, absolutely Ruth, I'll go with you. She spotted a friend on the other side of the church as soon as she got there. And I said, now Ruth, you go and enjoy friendship with your friends after church. She did. And I was on my own and this was known as a very welcoming, trendy church and I walked up the aisle, out into the foyer to get my cup of coffee, around the foyer, back down in through the church, along the front, up the other aisle for three quarters of an hour and not one person connected with me. In many of these new churches, The entrance can be so dark, you can't find your way. And when you do find a seat, the music, background music, can be so loud that it's very difficult to have a conversation with anybody, either before or after the service. It's very theatrical. When no one speaks to you or really connects with you, after trying for two or three weeks, it's very hard to attempt another visit and so you move on. I need to tell you that I did go to church every Sunday on this journey and very often these are the churches who perceive that they are friendly because the members are friendly to one another. They don't think about walking in the shoes of the visitor or the seeker or the newcomer. The holy huddle takes place And visitors or newcomers are often ignored. They feel like they're intruding on a party that they haven't been invited to. And they're on the outside looking in. I loved the quote of Donna Jennings last year from the main stage. And by the way, she delivered an excellent seminar just a few days ago over here. She has an autistic child and what she said from the main stage last year it's a long way from the edge to the centre. Profound. Remember Jesus always saw who were on the edge. We have his example blind Bartimaeus Zacchaeus up the tree Or the little children that the disciples wanted to ignore. He placed them centrally. Or the woman at the well that he should never have met or spoken to. And indeed his own mother who hung on the cross. Or the woman who touched the hem of his garment. If we were to unpack any of these stories we would see how Jesus deeply cared and extended hospitality towards others. I wonder what your experience has been of trying to find a church connection. So let's go to our second section. What is our scriptural mandate for doing church in the first place? Right at the beginning, God created us for relationship, not to live as lone rangers. Genesis 2 talks about that. His plan throughout the Bible was to create a people for himself. Our ultimate foundation of Christian hospitality is the act of God's hospitality towards us in sending Jesus and Jesus' willingness to come to die for us so that ultimately on choosing forgiveness for our sinfulness we become members of his household what distinctive sacrificial love and this is our example brothers and sisters to be distinctive and sacrificial towards one another in our gatherings together you see it's not all about me John 13, uh, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said before he died, Love each other just as I have loved you. And the result? This strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, it's from the inside out. He calls us into his family to be family to one another. And that's hard work. And those of you who have families know that that's hard work. Douglas and I had six children, very hard work. And the New Testament is full of instruction on how we do that together. Paul likens the church to the human body. Just as there are many parts of our bodies, so it is with the with Christ's body, we are all part of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different works to do, so we belong to each other, and each needs all the other. Countercultural, I would say, there's no individualism here. Last year, Helen and I unpacked how we have lost the art of hospitality. The Gift of Hospitality, and I love the definition of hospitality. It's the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers, including receiving and treating guests in a warm and friendly and generous way. And it's the truth of God's word that calls and brings the church into existence and shapes all that she needs to be. And it's the church that is the earthly outlet of God's truth. Church is foundational and central to what God is doing in the world. And then there's the whole concept of church being the body of Christ. In Revelation 19 and 21, the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. To study this in depth creates a glorious picture of future for us all and should transform our thinking on what it means to be church. Being absolutely amazed at who we are before him church is not all about me and myself here but rather as the scripture says on that day we will be presented as his perfect bride but in the meantime guys we are really imperfect there is no perfect church here on earth we're a sinful bunch of his redeemed people and we're called to work, to walk and bear witness together to the truth of his gospel. I love the not-so-modern hymn now. An army of ordinary people, a kingdom where love is the key, we're a city, a light to the nations, a people whose life is in Jesus, a nation together we stand, only through grace are we worthy inheritors of the land we're a people without recognition but with him a destiny sealed called to a heavenly vision his purpose shall be fulfilled so come let us stand strong together abandon ourselves to the king his love shall be ours forever this victory song we shall sing Hebrews 10:25 exhorts us let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going he always keeps his word let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out not avoiding worshipping together as some do but spurring each other on i believe to be countercultural today It is to make the determined choice not to be a Lone Ranger Christian. The Bible is full of scripture in how we are to function together as church, encourage, care, spiritually grow and be a lighthouse in the ethical fog of today. Many churches, I believe, have become sidetracked on how we get the outsiders in maybe because of declining numbers, rather than on how we function with one another inside the church. I believe when we get that right, the word will get out and the outsiders will come in. Again, that whole picture of change from the inside affecting the outside. So guys, we have no get out clause I have no get-out clause to sit at home, easy and all as that might feel. We are the called-out ones, and we need, as Ephesians 4 tells us, to exhort us to make every effort to keep ourselves united to the Spirit, binding ourselves together with peace. Over our years of ministry, Douglas and I had the wonderful privilege of visiting many in the persecuted church and they challenge us if you think it's difficult to be part of the church fellowship here in the west consider for a moment your brothers and sisters and their situation and note the contrast in the two video clips 社會工程師本來有份很好的工作, <音>
0: درم
3: منو از خونه داخل بیرون، ما من هم هنوز گریه میکنه. I
1: در چشم من آموزده. وقتی سنامی دادن، مدرجان همه آن یهانشود، تابی خانواده من سلامت.
3: سعی از کلی آلتکابم کو از که، سعی از کلی آلتکابم 제가 감옥에서 다른 사람을 만났습니다. 그들 또한 예수 그리스도를 말하는 것으로 인하여 눈매를 맞았습니다. 어떤 이들은 거의 맞아 죽을 뻔했고, 어떤 이들은 아무도 모르게 사라져 버렸습니다. 그러나 그들은 잊을 수 없습니다. <목소리>
0: Necesamo, necesitino dom sechata.
3: Ellos tomaron nuestras tierras. Ellos quemaron nuestra iglesia. Hasta la policía estaba allí. Nos sentíamos tan solos.
0: Participaba <todos> México.
3: 우리들은 당신의 기도를 느낄 수 있었습니다. 그 기도는 정말 능력이 있더군요. Entonces supimos, sí, ustedes se preocupan
1: mucho por nosotros.
0: <tose growl> iana. Ahora Jesu. Somos iglesia. Somos
3: hagmedi klesai. Nosotros somos la iglesia. Quita mm-hmm. la
1: very powerful contrast we need to recognise that we are part of a global church and for some Christians in the world the cost of becoming part of his spiritual family is immense, the loss of earthly family and possessions and they long to be together as believers so that they can care for and encourage each other In the truths of God's word, and I can tell you it's not about the best preaching and the best music. On my journey this year, one of the churches that was most meaningful to me was on the Syrian border in Turkey, where there was one indigenous believer who came to the Lord through a vision, two missionaries and two visitors. And the little local church in Gaziantep in Turkey has no church building, no musical instruments. And there the five of us shared in a home, opening God's word together, sharing what God had been speaking to us, singing from our hymn books in Turkish. It was glorious. I didn't feel alone or lonely, even though I couldn't speak their language. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of one another. And just as they make every effort in their context, so we too here in the West need to make every effort in our context. And my call to you as church, wherever you are and wherever you are on your journey, as we move into our third section is, Wake up church here in the West. Let us spur one another on to live counterculturally, where everybody feels welcome and finds their place in God's family. And so we move into our third section to the nuts and bolts, where the rubber hits the road, or as Rosaria would say, the beans and rice. What did the early church look like? In Acts 2:42, and all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other, selling their possessions and dividing with those in need. They worshiped together regularly in the temple each day. They met in small groups in homes to break bread and they shared their meals with great joy. And thankfulness, praising God. This just wasn't Sunday church, guys. This wasn't only spiritual either, it was very practical too. To be a countercultural, hospitable church, firstly, I need to say that the responsibility is not on the pastor or the minister or even the elders of the church. Yes, they need to be involved. But too often I hear today, the minister never visits me. My husband was a minister. It's impossible for them to get around their whole congregations. We need all to be involved in this gift of hospitality to one another within church life. It's costly, it's sacrificial. If we truly want to be the body of Christ together. And to show what that looks like to a watching world. I've handed out sheets to you. With some ideas that I'm going to share with you now. For me to find a church. The website was very important. And one that was regularly updated. For example. It was important that I didn't turn up. It's summertime church when it still hadn't come and I turned up at the wrong time. The website needs to be updated every week. The church that I'm now going to puts up the sermon um, where it's coming from and it's wonderful to be able to read before you go to church what the sermon is going to be about and if you don't get to church for whatever reason, which I sometimes don't if I'm travelling or with grandchildren, I can listen to the sermon from last week. I firmly believe that teaching to the whole church needs to be done on how we can be countercultural and exercise hospitality towards one another as we gather and do church together. We need to develop. An attitude of not only looking up corporately in worship, but looking out for each other. Those who greet you at the door wear lanyards with your name not just on one side but also the other because sometimes those lanyards, like Ali's, is turned around and I don't know who she is. So you clearly know who's on duty. Warmly greet that person And be someone, if possible, who is good at remembering names. Don't be afraid to ask if they are visitors. And definitely don't be involved with chat with your friends while you're greeting them. But don't leave them to wander off and find a seat. Show them to a seat. And even better, if you prepare the whole church in this gift of hospitality one another... Maybe some Sunday a greeter may bring a visitor to come and sit beside you in church. What a difference that makes. The church that I'm now going to, not quite sure if I'm settled there yet. I walked in on the first Sunday and they're gathering in a school context. And I don't, When I go into church, I don't go to the back seat ever. I go about a third from the front and I sit on the outside of an aisle so I'm very visible and the first Sunday I was there somebody came up to me in the middle of 300 or so people and said are you Douglas Mark's wife? and I said yes and they said would you please come and sit with us? what a difference that makes Another Sunday in that church, that same church, I did the same thing. Third from the front, outside of an aisle, on my own. An old lady gets up in her middle 80s, crosses the school complex, comes up to me and says, are you sitting on your own? I said, yes, I am. Would you please come and sit with me? But the outcome of that story was immense was an empty seat on the other side of me and there was a young girl sitting on it Asian looking and as I do after church services I speak to people and I spoke to her she introduced herself this was her second week in coming to the church where are you from I asked Kyrgyzstan she said I said to her I know your country and I've been in your capital city And it was like you had given her a million dollars. She was an asylum seeker in Northern Ireland. And she hadn't met one person who knew her country or even knew where it was. And I took her back after church to my home for lunch. And we had a lovely time together. Don't sit in the same seat every Sunday, please. It may be necessary for some people to do that, people in wheelchairs or elderly people. But be cross generational. Get to know the families, get to know the retired and the senior citizens. Get to know the singles and those who come from other countries. You would be amazed at how you can support each other. Remember, the church is not just for families. There are many, many singles in our church today who live alone and maybe haven't spoken to anybody since they did their shopping on Saturday morning. Students, business people travelling, divorced people, single parents, widows, widowers. Please let's encourage each other to look out for each other. Be intentional as a church fellowship. Every Sunday, of course, we come to look up and worship corporately, but I believe we need to be prepared, every one of us, as we go into church on Sunday to greet somebody we don't know really well. And I would encourage you, we haven't time to do this today, but I would encourage you to do this after this session. Go up and speak to somebody you don't know. I just went up and spoke to this lovely guy here in the front seat. He was sitting on his own. It's wonderful to do that. And can I encourage you that the more often you do it, the easier it becomes. And don't just go to the favourite friendly huddle. Be prepared to greet somebody you don't know every Sunday and don't use your children as an excuse. If you're in family agree together at home before you go to church who is going to do the greeting today and the other one will look after the children. And even better, if you find a visitor or a stranger follow up with an invite for lunch. I remember speaking once in a Very traditional church, and I shared with them my passion for singles. And I said in the church that Sunday morning, I don't think singles should ever go home alone every Sunday on their own. And a lady in her 40s, maybe early 50s, greeted me as we were going out the door and she said, Thank you so much for saying that. I've just received an invitation to lunch. I thought it was lovely. You may be a church that doesn't have this space for greeting people either before or after church. I would encourage you to create it. Have a tea and coffee time. I knew a church who was finding this very difficult to do. Do you know what they did? Well, the children went out to children's church. They wheeled in the coffee trolleys into church and they served tea and coffee in the middle of church. And it worked very well. Have extra greeters available to help families, not just the team that's serving on creche or in children's church, but others who will bring and give direction and be available to help with babies and children and senior citizens and disability. Have a well-manned information desk. Do you know that our LiveWire team out there are walking around with shirts on them? And on the back of their shirts it says, God's house, our home. I thought that was amazing and I looked at those young people and I thought, I really hope that your church is your home. We need to learn to partner, participate together and not to be passive I loved the quote that came out in Alwyn and Jude's seminar from the author Rebecca McLaughlin. When they go to church every Sunday, her husband has three rules of engagement. An alone person in our gathering in church is an emergency. Secondly, friends can wait. And thirdly, introduce a newcomer to someone else. The welcome that we give one another speaks volumes. Think of creative ways that we as a whole church can be involved in home hospitality. And we did this in America and we learnt this from our time in America. Find host families within your church. Families who are willing to host. Then randomly from your database in your church... Pick out half a dozen families and do this about once every six weeks or two months and send them to that host church. Make it cross-cultural, cross-generational, where everybody is involved. And I need to say this to you. Helen and I did this last year. This is not about food. We need to get rid of that Um Feeling that we can't do it because it's all about the food. What about meals for new mums? Use that database. As soon as a new mum has a baby, the church gets involved and delivers meals to that home for a couple of weeks. I experienced that in America. I also experienced that here in Belfast. Let's be a church that welcomes babies and children. Praise God that they're there. Too often I hear about the baby crying in the background or the children making a noise. We need to welcome them. It's wonderful that they're there. What about single parents? Offer to babysit for them regularly so that they can become part of a home group. Or ministry to students. You could do a whole seminar on these. Connect with one and have them home regularly. That happened to me every Sunday when I was a student in Edinburgh. I was invited home to the same family every Sunday for three years. Do the same for widows and widowers or the bereaved or the divorced. I heard of a widow not so long ago who cared for his wife for a long number of years, an active member in his church for a whole year. Every night, he went to a local restaurant for his main meal. I find that so sad. What I chose to do when I became a widow and I was in a very good church, I used to... Sunday would come and I thought, this really feels very lonely and nobody's really inviting me out. And I would go home on my own and I had a little conversation with the Lord... I said, Lord, what could we do about this? So I created a little invitation, and on it I said, You're invited to come to my home. Please bring whatever you can sandwiches, fruits, salads, cakes, desserts, and if you have a dietary requirement, bring that as well. I will light the fire, put the kettle on, and do the tea and coffee. And I invited people from my church family across the board, singles, marrieds, older people. And I watched them all coming together. Put it on the table. Nothing was organized. You don't need to organize who's going to do the sandwiches or the cakes or the fruit. doesn't matter. Put it on the table. It always works. I'm going to my ladies' prayer group that I've been part of for 50 years, and we're doing that today. We never organize it, and we've always plenty to eat. And we watched the church getting to know each other. It was wonderful. And I invited to that um, time on a Sunday one person only. Every, I did it once a month. And every time I invited the same one person. A lady living with mental health. Every other Sunday it was a different person. And I used to watch her being a little bit sidelined in church life. When she came to my home, everybody got to know her. It was wonderful. And then when I was leave, suddenly leaving that church, not expecting to move, I said to the Lord, but what about this lady? And the Lord said to me, you've done your job. The church now know her and are really caring for her. What about disability? Create a space with a two-way window where people who have young people with disability or older people. I was so blessed last night to sit behind the group of Teo people who were there. Down syndrome men enjoying worship in that wonderful song I am chosen not forsaken. I am a child of God. I am who you say I am. In my father's house there's a place for me. There's a place for disability. Let's open our arms to them. What about carers who are caring for elderly parents? Or those who are caring for terminally ill relatives? How are we hospitable towards them? All of this is sacrificial and costly of our time. And Satan wants to rob us of that. Our sacrificial giving of our time to one another. Find the elderly who would like to come to church but there's no transport. Create a rota. Visit them regularly. Bring communion to them. Create a team. It's not just for the elders and ministers. In the church that I'm going to, there are iPads for visually impaired people who can't see the screen. And so their iPad, they've got the words. What about the elderly in our nursing homes? 450 and more in Northern Ireland. Do we ever consider taking one on and visiting them? Every church should have a designated functional pastoral care team who are well organised and active throughout the church. When issues are picked up through home groups or prayer groups, they can be passed on to the pastoral care team. Now, how is all this going to be organised? I think one of the key people in a church context is not the family worker or the youth worker or the teenage worker. I think it's a church administrator who will either be employed or will be a very active volunteer in the context And will be very digitally um, aware as well. And that person can pull all of these teams together. And all of this functioning hospitality together. Did you know that in New Horizon, the event that you're at, there are over 400 volunteers here and it's amazing to watch them working. But there's only one employed person. And she's been employed by this event for well over 20 years, maybe longer. And she is the key person that pulls this whole event together. She sits on all the man, the management teams, all the teams, the seminar teams, the board, she goes along. And she's the one that pulls the whole thing together. And I think every church needs a person like that. It's not the job of the minister. My husband, dear husband, was... Hopeless at at management. And then in that scripture, how about sharing what you have with one another? We're very reluctant to do that. Our baby equipment, our disability equipment, our gardening tools, our toys, even our cars, our books, our school uniforms, our clothes. That's what they did. Have you got a spare room in your house? Do you make a, your home a place where people can drop in, come in for refreshment and rest. I'm now living on my own, but I have a large family and I have a space for them to come and go. And this past winter, I've had a lovely Romanian couple living in that part of my house. I'm about to get a keypad put on the outside of my house so that if I'm not there and somebody wants to use the house, I'll give them the code and they can go in. Ministry to singles, guys. Not to be patronising, because there are many radiant examples of singles who live out their gift of singleness. Do we ever think of going and knocking on their door and visiting them? Or the whole ministry of mentoring across the church. I'm involved very much in that with Exodus, the organisation Exodus where those of us who are older and have experienced and are maybe retired can come alongside the next generation who are on the coalface and meet with them regularly. It is invaluable and it is a two-way thing. Do that in your church. Please let's not hide behind the endless activity that church can so easily create Let's remember that wonderful scripture in John um, where it's talked about if we love one another, the result of that will be the love that we have within our church will radiate outside our church. Church also needs to be a place of healing and recovery. It's important to create that space where people can come and where brokenness is dealt with. We need to learn to weep with those who weep. I wept with a lovely widow yesterday. She was very recently bereaved and we were widows together and we wept together and tears are good. Church needs to be a place of healing. I want to take you back to Vicky's quote that I used at the very beginning she started she said I often wonder why some of the churches we visited have felt like the loneliest places in the world and she continues I want to encourage you today if you are serving in your local church know this that your turn on church rota matters your smile matters Every single bit of it matters because you know what's co- you know what? coming into a new environment isn't just frightening for my children. It's frightening for me because I don't know where the baby changing is and I don't know where my kids are supposed to go. Please show me if you haven't seen me before. Don't worry if I've been coming for a year. Ask me, am I all right when I look like I'm lost? I'm going to be honest here, she says. If you are dreading serving in the area that you're serving in, step down and seek out a place to serve that you're passionate about. Because it shows when you don't and when you're not passionate about it. It shows when you can't be bothered and frankly, it shows when you don't care. I know you might be having a bad day. So are most people coming through those doors. I'm fortunate, she says, I know Jesus and I know that he's passionate about me. So I can walk away a little sad, feeling like I want to cry, but willing to try again. So word of warning, she finishes with, never, ever underestimate your part in the Sunday service. Your smile, your hug, your handshake, your willingness to put seats out for this mum at the back with three small children so she can get in and out when she needs to. Your chat when pouring the hot cup of tea that this mum needs. You coming over to introduce yourself to my child and me in Kids Church. I won't think you're over the top I will love it. And she finishes with this. Your serving matters. You matter. Your part in the kingdom matters. Make sure the people coming in the door of your church know that they matter. No matter how broken, vulnerable or together they are, they matter. And she finishes with, Who do you see in your church today? I believe that hospitality needs to become the essential rhythm of our church's daily life. Finishing with Rosaria Butterfield. What an amazing story. Weren't you so glad to hear what happened to Hank and Tank last night? She says, we, all of us, are image bearers first and foremost. We belong to each other because we share a heavenly father. Our identity and calling must emanate from God's image radiating in and through us. Guys, the world is watching. And rightly so. And our lack of visible and genuine hospitality practice both inside and outside the church is speaking louder than any words could ever do and i just want to finish with a wonderful story of hospitality here in new horizon this will truly bless you and it is radical hospitality a lady came over to northern ireland two weeks ago she's come alone And she's come to serve with the Jewish community in Belfast. She heard of New Horizon probably on social media. She travelled up here on her own. She found an Airbnb on the Saturday. She came to the Saturday night event and she sat down beside a couple. And this couple, Jim and Nora, spoke to her. And invited her to go to church next Sunday with them. That was the following day. This lovely lady had a very unpleasant experience in her Airbnb that night. Jim and Nora met her on the Sunday morning and went to church with her. And this lady shared with Jim and Nora what had happened. What did Jim and Nora do? They took her in. And she has been living with them for the whole week, transporting her backwards and forwards and coming themselves to this event in New Horizon. Guys, that's radical hospitality. If a stranger walked into your church, would you even speak to them? But even better, would you go the extra mile and take them home and offer them more hospitality? I think that's a wonderful Rosaria Butterfield hospitality, radical hospitality story. Let's just pray together. Father, I just pray that you will deliver us from fear when we walk into our churches on a Sunday morning. Encourage us, Father, just to do something This week or next week when we enter a church building to worship you Lord. To not only look up but to look out for one another. And we truly will entertain angels unawares. Give us the courage Father to be radically hospitable to each other. And to step out and to step up. Because what we do for you, Father, will witness to a watching world. In Jesus' name. Amen.